Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us on localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm Tim Muma, and this is I Want to Be A, where each episode we complete that sentence with a new profession or industry, bringing you an expert guest in the field and hopefully give us the inside scoop. Now, today, I want to be a radio play-by-play announcer. Yes, those are the individuals who bring you the game action without the benefit of video. And in the studio to talk about the industry, fill us in on the details of working in the business. We have Ted Davis, the radio voice of the NBA's Milwaukee Bucks. You can hear Ted on AM620 for the games, and he also does some co-hosting work on 1250 WSSP in Milwaukee. Ted, thanks a lot for coming in today. No problem. Glad to do it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you being in. It's a it's an area that's interesting, obviously, to me, and I think a lot of our listeners out there, just in general, of course, being sports so popular. Was this something you always wanted to do? Is this something you had that thought from the beginning, or did something spark your interest? How did that all kind of work for you? Well, first of all, it beats actually working. Good thought. That was my first thought. <laughs> you know, I always said I wanted to make a living, but I didn't really want to have to work for a living that mm, much. I like that. <laughs> So this is what I kind of uh, came up with. Uh, You know, my story is like a lot of people that do this in that the bug hit me very early Mm. in life. I can remember thinking I wanted to do this probably before I was 10 years old. Oh, nice. Uh, Somewhere in the eight, nine years of old range. And I would do imaginary play-by-play in my room with baseball cards, and I would put them out like a diamond. Mm-hmm. First base, second base, third right. base, and then I'd do the crack of the bat, and I'd do the crowd, and I'd move the cards around, and I'd do imaginary play-by-play in my uh, in my room. And uh, fortunately, my parents weren't too worried that I was in there talking to myself a lot. <laughs> That's good. Which I was. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I grew up in West Texas, Lubbock, Texas, and it was kind of up on the high plains. And at night in the summertime, I would just sit there on my radio in my room, and I would go across the dial to see how many radio broadcasts I could pick up, major mm. league broadcast. And where I was living, I could pick up uh, eight to 10 oh, wow. broadcasts a night. I mean, yeah. I could hear Harry Carey doing the Cardinals. I could hear the Cubs. I could hear the White Sox, uh, the Royals. I could hear Milo Hamilton doing the Atlanta Braves on WSB. So I, I got a lot of different broadcasts that came in. And, and late at night, where I lived, after 10 o'clock when the Dodgers were playing at home, uh, I could hear Ben Scully oh, there doing you go. games on KFI mm-hmm. in Los Angeles. There was a Spanish t- station between me and L.A., and, and it was on until 10 o'clock. And at 10 o'clock, it went off. And when the Dodgers were on the West Coast, suddenly he came into my living room nice. like he was in town. And so I listened to all these different broadcasts, and, and it really fostered my interest to do this. And then uh, I started working on different things. I mean, you have to learn how to use the language. Fortunately, I, I, my sister— was 12 years older, is 12 years older than me. And uh, she graduated from college and immediately became an uh, an English teacher in high school. Mm. So, and she was still living at home at the time. And she really helped me learn how to use the English language. She would correct my grammar if I made a mistake. And and I I credit her a lot with teaching me how to use uh, the language. And so you have to learn that. And then you have to have a voice come along that that works. Mm -hmm. If you've got a high-pitched, squeaky voice, it's not going to work. Well, fortunately, I was blessed to have a voice that's a very good speaking voice, and it's been able to make me a living for a long time. So it it began early for me, and I never remember having a backup plan. Really? No, never. Interesting. I I never thought, okay, if if this doesn't work, I'll be, I don't know, fireman, astronaut, you know, whatever (laughs) most kids want to be. I just always knew that I wanted to do this. And in the town where I live, Lubbock, Texas, they have Texas Tech University. Right. And there was a guy that did uh, Texas Tech football and basketball for 50 years years. Mm. Uh, he retired a few years ago. He's now dead, passed away. Uh, nobody here will know him, but his name was Jack Dale. And I, I used to listen to him do the games. And then I would go 
we had season tickets and I would go to the game and I was watching him as much as I was watching. Really? And he was just sitting there. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it wasn't, <laughs> but I'd watch him. And it occurred to me that he was getting paid to go see what I was paying to go see. Good point. And again, I like that concept too. <laughs> so that's how it kind of began for yeah. me. Yeah. Well, you, know, you brought up the voice, and I think anybody can clearly hear right away. Just you have that distinct sound, and uh, anyone who's listened to Bucks games or the Mavericks, which you used to do yeah. as well, yeah. I think they would. You know, you can recognize you right away. You mentioned Vince Scully being another one of those voices, obviously yeah. that that does that. Did you have someone you really looked up to, or I don't want to say model yourself after, but maybe tried to pick up on things? You talked about hearing a lot of different individuals. Yeah, I mean, I I think you I think you take things from everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I use some phrases that a guy named Terry Stembridge uh, used. He was the voice of the Dallas Chaparrales, the old ABA team oh, that became okay. the San Antonio Spurs. Right, right. So at, at that point, I, I could I could pick up a Dallas station, and he used to use a lot of interesting phrases, you know, facing the crowd or there, there will be another night. Mm. Or, and so I, I use some of those. But one of the things that I, I learned pretty quickly when I got into what I'd call big-time radio, which was uh, the station I worked at in Dallas for 10 years, and I was lucky to get in there, in there. I was 21 when I went to work for them. And I worked for them for 10 years. Wow. 21 to 31. It was KBILFM in Dallas. And, and we were a juggernaut at that time. They had a legendary <laughs> morning man who's in the Texas Broadcast Hall of Fame. Uh, he was also the program director. And I learned so much from him in that 10 years. I became a professional broadcaster in that 10-year period sure. that I worked for him. And he was very big on finding your own style. Mm-hmm. Don't try to be anybody else. Because when you get on the air, you have to be genuine. You have to be you. Your voice has to be you. Your personality has to be you. Mm-hmm. And so I think during that period of time, I developed a personality or a style that is kind of loose. It's kind of conversational. I think it's entertaining to well, listen to. And as I was going to ask is how you see your style because – as you said, you'll run the gamut of what people do and play by play, yeah. whether they're more straight and you yeah. tend to have maybe a little more emotion into it. Yeah, I, I put some shtick. Yeah. <laughs> what do I call it? You know, I'll go with nicknames. I'm calling uh, Giannis the alphabet. Right. You know, I'm, right. I'm calling Radula to the Whopper. <laughs> um, uh, Nate Walters is the Jackrabbit because he went to South Dakota State or the Jackrabbit. So I'm, I, I, I developed a style working for that radio station that was, they were big on personality. Mm. They were big on. You know, we used to do some pretty good comedic bits with the, the disc jockey I worked with. So during that period of time, I learned how to to work within that environment of being creative on the air. And then when I got into play-by-play, that's when you have really three hours. You know, I work solo on the road. Sure. I mean, it's, it's three hours for me to just come up with whatever I can do. And, and my challenge every night, and especially in a season like this, and, and we had some bad years in Dallas too, by the way, um, is to – Control what I can control, which is that three-hour broadcast. Mm. The game may not go along and give me everything I need. I hope it does. Because right. if it does, it's easy. Yeah, sure. You know, if the game's right there, a tight game, then you're right in it. But if you have some blowouts like we've had, then the challenge becomes making that broadcast entertaining for anybody who's sticking around. I don't know if anybody is. <laughs> but if anybody is sticking around, to try to make it as entertaining as possible. And actually, I think that's one of my strong suits. Nobody calls a route better than me <laughs> because because I've had a lot of practice, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm. I was going to ask about that too. When you have a season that's difficult like this one is for, for the Bucks, especially, is that the biggest challenge in this profession? Because as you said, if it's a close game, tight game, or the that's team's easy. doing well, right, right. Or if you're winning. Right. Yeah. You know, like 2001 when we won 52 games mm. and went to the Eastern Conference Finals, that was a cakewalk. That mm. was easy. Every game was easy. Yeah. 
Um, no, when you're five and nineteen, and, and we're in Dallas the other night, and we're down thirty-four points in the second half. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're going okay. Well, what do I do now? And, and truthfully, in all these years since I've been doing this, and I've been in the NBA twenty-six years, I have a thirty-point rule. And I, if it's if my team gets behind by thirty, mm-hmm. I'm going to go on and do something else other than the game because <laughs> I can't just stick with the game. Yeah, no, that makes sense because everything is negative at that point. Mm-hmm. And so you know, I just I don't know what I do sometimes. I really don't. I just I talk about the league. I talk about current events, pop culture. It's really, it's kind of a flotsam <laughs> <laughs> of things that just kind of come out to try to keep myself engaged more than else. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody's listening, but I try to keep myself engaged. Right. And if I'm engaged and I'm having a good time, then whatever whoever, whatever audience I have left hopefully is having a good time too. I think you're in good company in Milwaukee. You know, the Brewers struggled for a lot of years. Yeah. And that was, you know, Bob Uecker obviously is a legendary broadcaster, yeah. but that was the one thing people always pointed out is he still made the broadcast interesting right. and fun, even if, you know, the year wasn't going so well or oh, the yeah. game wasn't. Yeah, you know, and, and Bob is very creative on the air too. And, uh, yeah, he had a lot of losing years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I hope to get back to a winning season at some point <laughs> because it is a whole lot more fun. You mentioned the idea of, you know, things can get negative quickly. Maybe it's within a game, a season, maybe it's a player. Where do you draw that line in terms of some criticism? Because we hear about, you know, getting access to a player, mm-hmm. whereas if an announcer was critical of the organization or, right. or that player, that that maybe goes away. How do you how do you toll that line a little bit? Well, I think if you listen to my broadcast, um, I'm honest with what I'm seeing mm. on the floor. Uh, if they're playing bad, you know they're playing bad if you listen to me. Because I'm pointing out, I call it being Joe. Remember Dragnet? Yeah. Joe mm-hmm. Friday? Right. Just the facts, man. <laughs> I'm just doing the facts. Sure. They're, they're shooting 34%. That's not good. They mm-hmm. have 17 turnovers in the middle of the third quarter, or they're getting out-rebounded by 25. I mean, right. those are the things you can do that tell the audience that this team is playing poorly that night without taking out a sledgehammer to drive in a little tiny nail. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, some guys could do that. I, the guy that preceded me, actually, Howard David, was yeah. kind of like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would go, oh, can you believe that a professional ball club getting paid this kind of money could be this bad? I mean, he was kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. I won't do that. I'll say they're getting out rebound about 25. They're, you just can't win a game if you're shooting 34%. Sure. I mean, I'll do that. You can you can do it without being heavy-handed about it. And And – so I, I've done that for a long time. No one has – in, in the 26 years I've been doing this, and nine with Dallas, and it's my 17th with the Bucks. no one has ever told me what to say. Mm-hmm. Or no one has ever called me in and said, no, we don't want you saying right. that. So I, you know, I think I've walked that line pretty well mm-hmm. where you have to have some credibility with your audience. Sure. That they're not getting spin. But you also have to keep in mind that you are employed by the club. Mm-hmm. And I think I do a pretty good job of walking that line. And it's definitely something, you know, as a fan myself and obviously all the friends that that follow all these different sports, you always wonder, is that announcer being just a mouthpiece? How yeah. much are they being prodded or or contained? If if you if someone were to come to you, say you move on or or you know, Bucks organization, somebody else comes in to take over and they put some constraints on you. Do you think you would have to move on? Do you think that would be a real struggle for you to have to sort of limit yourself in a way? I don't think it would happen. Really, I really don't. I, I mean, you've built enough, probably, of your of your own resume. That, probably, to show that. but and, and I just don't know that they would come to you and say, you know, say we're playing well if we're not, right? Because I mean, if the audience is now. Well, I think they've always been sophisticated enough, but now in particular, oh yeah, yeah. with a lot of game, most of the games on TV and handheld devices and iPads and so many ways to get the game now mm-hmm. that uh, 
you know, if you can't say they're playing well when they're not. Sure. That, that's just ridiculous. So I don't <laughs> think anybody would do that. Okay. When you're on the air, of course, you're trying to give the game action and, and understanding that that's your main goal. But do you have a, a greater purpose in mind? Do you see your role as being something specific, painting a picture or trying to give them something that another person wouldn't give them on the air? I mean, what do you look at? When, what are you trying to accomplish when you're on the air? Just have an entertaining broadcast. That's it. That's really the focus yeah, is entertainment. That's that three hours mm-hmm. is mine. It's what I can control. I don't know where the game's going to go. Sure. Uh, so that's what I can control. And try to enhance whatever's happening. If the game is good, try to enhance it. Uh, if the game is terrible, try to keep it entertaining. And that's <laughs> it. That really is it. That's all. You know, we each have our little niche jobs within a team structure. Sure. And that is mine. And if I, if the end of the broadcast, no matter what the outcome of the game is, if I can walk out and go, well, that's a good broadcast, right. then I feel good. I've done my job. And I've done so many of these now, 26 years, well over 2,000 games, that I have a, a mark that I can hit pretty much every night. I don't have bad games, really, at this point, if I'm healthy. I mean, yeah. If I don't have a cold or my throat's not bad. If I'm healthy, pretty much every broadcast I have will meet a certain standard Sure. at this point. So I can walk out going, well, I did my job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're on the road. We get beat by 25. I go get on the bus and get on the plane, go to the next. You feel fine about it. I feel fine about <laughs> they it. They might I, not. I did but... my job. <laughs> you mentioned the idea of style, of course, and um... – you know, we always hear of different announcers having their signature call. And, mm-hmm. of course, you have one as well for the Bucks. Could you, could you share that with us? It, well, when they get a win. <laughs> I know you haven't used it much this no, year. No, I haven't. Only five times. Uh, it's in the bank and earning interest. And where did that come from? Where, you where? know, I don't know. I, I started that in Dallas. I was just trying to come up with something. And we, we, had a, we had a bank that was sponsoring. And then I started doing that. And they tagged on to that mm-hmm. with something they did. Okay. And it just kind of developed in Dallas. And I, I brought it here. Um you know, Larrabee has his. I don't know what Euchre does. I don't know if he has a signature. Oh, well, well, he does the home run, the home run call. call. Right. Yeah, baseball it's more the home run yeah. call. Other it, sports, it's kind it's of the, the end. The you end know, game, Larrabee's yeah. got the dagger, and I right. just, I've been using it. And uh, so, you know, I, it's it's something that I think works, and I'm I'm going to keep it. Do you think it's important to have that, or is that does it have to kind of be just developed? Or? I think it has to develop. I don't yeah. think you can force it. Sure, because it can be. Can be corny if it's not. Right. Oh yeah. Well, it, I I think you see that even with some of the even professionals that have been around a while. I think of uh, the Yankees. I, you know, a couple of their broadcasters. You know, oh, John just, Sterling. Yeah. With that Yankees win. Yeah. Kind of I thing. can't. Yeah. And maybe I it's just I don't like the Yankees. I don't know. But, but no, I, that's kind of it's kind of hokey. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess it works if you're winning all the time. Right. Nobody really cares. I try not but, to be hokey about it. and I don't think it is. No. 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 So, I. I know. I, I. People yeah. love it. I think yeah. you know. With yourself, you said Larravee and, and Euchre. We're uh, we're pretty fortunate here in Wisconsin. We do. We have a lot of we guys. have a lot of talented broadcasters and, and broadcasters that have come through here. Pat mm-hmm. Hughes came through here. Now with the Cubs. Yep. Jim Powell came through here. Um, and, and to have the quality of Euchre and Larravee and me and Matt LaPay, who does yeah, don't, Badgers, yeah, Badgers games, Badgers, and yeah. what is thought of as a relatively small market in Milwaukee, I think we're pretty lucky. No, that's a great point. There's been a lot of excellent talent that comes that comes through here. Now, you've mentioned baseball a lot, and of course you enjoy what you're doing. Would mm-hmm. you have possibly wanted to be in baseball or football? You did some football in the past I did college well. football in Texas. Right. I, mean, I started doing high school football okay. in Texas, which is huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, some of the some of the stadiums that the high school teams have in Texas are as good as some college programs. Oh, yeah. yep. uh, so I started doing high school football, did Southwest Conference football. I was the voice of the TCU Horn Frogs and the Texas A&M Aggies. Uh, like anybody who started, uh, who had an interest in this early, I wanted to do baseball. Mm-hmm. 
And I've done some. I did some fill-in work for the Texas Rangers a couple okay. of years when one of their guys got sick. And so I did it enough to know that I could do it. I just never had the opportunity. You know, you take the first chance you get to go to the major leagues, and for me it was the NBA. Mm-hmm. Once you get inside of a league, it's easier to either stay or move around sure. because you network and you connect, and, and so you know who's who's out there. So I've come close to doing baseball. I came very close to getting a job with the Texas Rangers. Uh, it's one of those deals where everything has to fall Right, right at the moment I was about to get hired to do the Texas Rangers, they changed radio stations. Oh, okay. To another radio station that mm-hmm. had the Cowboys. Gotcha. Cowboys were leaving, and that's why they were had the money to bring the Rangers in. And the guy who had done the Cowboys was not going with the team at that time, and he was at that station, so he got the job. So really? it's one of those deals where everything has to line up properly yeah. for it to happen. Yeah. And and now. You know, I'm I'm deep in I'm closer to the finish line now <laughs> than I am to the beginning. So sure. I'm fine. If I stay in the NBA till the end, if if I'm fortunate enough health wise and with whatever outcome we have with this arena issue, uh, to get to where I wanna get to the finish line and I, I do my entire career in the NBA, that's fine with me. Well, I was gonna say it's not like there are tons of these if you're looking at professional and major college where you're making a, a serious career out of this. Yeah. I I think it's uh, you'd be foolish, obviously, to try to necessarily go somewhere else just because you want to try it. Yeah. Um, you're in a lot of people's minds. You're extremely fortunate to be in a position like this because you love what you do as well. well. There, yeah, and I, you know the 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 cool thing about being in broadcasting, and since I got my first job when I was seventeen, I got I was seventeen when I got my first job. I was in high school, and since that time, and this is my fortieth year in broadcasting this year, forty wow. years, I have never felt like I was working. So you accomplished your goal yes. from when you were eight years yes, old. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I do not feel like I'm working. Like today, I'm going to go over to the radio station. I'm going to do four hours with the guys over there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there talking sports and I'm getting paid. I mean, I can't believe it. I'd be talking sports anyway. Right, right. <laughs> if I wasn't getting paid. And then tomorrow night, I'm going to go do the Bucks and the Knicks and I get paid for that. And and then when the season ends, I really don't have to do anything again. Mm-hmm. I've, I've had summers where I've I haven't been working, and I've had the whole summer off. So, I, how can I beat that? And that's what we're <laughs> going to get a little bit later, and how people can get into uh-huh. it because it does. I mean, for a lot of not to stereotype, a lot of men in America, especially, it just seems like one of those dream jobs that you could uh, you could get to. Take us a little bit through a game day and what you're doing, what preparation is like. Um, how, how sort of things work together. I mean, as you said, on the road, you're on your own. At yeah. home, you're with Dennis Krause. Right. Um, you I know, prefer s- to have a guy with me. Okay. Because I actually, with what I do with my style, it works better to have someone to bounce things off of. Mm-hmm. But I have done exactly half of my games with someone and half without. I've always oh, okay. been solo on the road in right. both places. So I, I've learned how to do both. But if I had my preference, I'd like to have somebody there because I think a two-man conversation right. is always better. Right. So what are you doing? I mean, leading up to the game, are um, you, are you, I mean, just take us through a little bit. The funny thing is, when I first started doing this, I probably over-prepared. Mm-hmm. And I realized after a game that if the game was good, I used about 15% of what I wrote down. <laughs> right. And so now, the dirty little secret is, I know <laughs> what I need. Yeah. So my preparation now is actually easier than it was in the beginning because I know, I'm confident enough to know I mean, I write down the basics. I do a spotting chart with the stats and maybe a little note about each player that okay. I might get in. Right. But I'm confident enough in my ability to know that once the game starts, I can just focus on what's going on out there mm-hmm. and talk about that. And I get home at night after a game, and I, I haven't used very much of anything sure. that I've written down because the game's entertaining enough, and I'm working off the game where I didn't need it. And that's the ideal 
situation where you're not ramming a lot of stats in that you don't really need. If, if it, you know, if it's pertinent, I'll work it in. I'll maybe two or three. But for the most part, if it's a good game, I can just focus on the court mm-hmm. and let the action take me where I need to go. And that just comes from doing a lot of games. Sure. How about like the the sponsors and, and other little maybe in-game things that either the, the team wants you to do or the radio station? I mean, mm-hmm. does that get difficult or is there no. a science to that a little no, bit? No, you just, you know what you have to get in. Like we have, we have these reads that I've got to do during right. the game and it's, I've got a list of them. And at some point I have to, like I, they're, they're laid out. You have to do four Coors Lights reads. You have to do three, two Potawatomi. You have to do two Palermo's Pizza. Right. One each of this. And so you know that you've got, and I just kind of check them off as I go. Okay. And then I know in the fourth quarter, and I know how many breaks we have. Sure. So I know how many times I have to get them in. Do one at halftime coming out. And so you just check them off. And by the end of the game, they're all done. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not hard. You just have to be aware of doing it. And I do it coming out of commercials where I can do it real quickly before they okay. go back to play. Okay. I feel like that's where I would get lost on it because I'd be like into the game. So I give you guys a ton of credit when you're, oh, hit this sponsor, hit this break. You know, well, there, you know, you're up there. There's a lot going on because I, you know, with, with social media now, I'm on Twitter all the time yep. and I'm tweeting out the score and I'm reacting to Twitter. And then we've got stat sheets coming in and I'm doing the reads and Dennis and I are talking about what, I mean, it, we're just sitting there. So it doesn't look like a lot's <laughs> going on. If people come to watch us, you know, they'll, they'll come up to the booth and I think they're actually kind of bored because there's not <laughs> a lot going on. It's just like us. We're just sitting here. Yeah. So, but when you kind of break it all down of what we're actually doing on the air, there's a lot going on right. during a broadcast. Yeah. I think people don't realize that that's really is, like you said, how much is going through and passing through you. Well, on that note, we will take a short break with our guest, Ted Davis, the radio voice of the Milwaukee Bucks here on I Want to Be A. Now to continue listening to the conversation, head over to localjobnetwork.com slash radio slash list. Just type in radio play by play and it should come right up for you. In the meantime, if you want to send us an email, go ahead and direct that to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments or suggestions for any of our podcasts here on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody.